You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, it's good to be in the house of God. In the snow again. We'll be having a snowplow offering before too long if the weather continues as it is. Uh, In case it's uh, slipped your attention, which would be understandable given the recent conditions, uh, next week officially, British summertime begins. Whoa! Which actually means the clocks go forward, so the messing around of times continues next week. Service times will be back to normal, but British summertime begins, so remember to put your clock forward on Saturday night. It's hard to believe that it will be officially British summertime. But there we are. Get the sledging in while you can this afternoon. That's my, that's my advice. Well, if you were here last week, which I think many of us would have been, we began a four-week series really taking us up, running up to Easter, focusing on Jesus. Entitled Meeting Jesus. You know, we don't want to know about Jesus. We want to meet Jesus. The point in understanding something of Jesus is that then we know how to come close to him and to draw close to him and know what we can expect from him. And understanding that in these next four weeks, we're going to hear that Jesus is Savior, Healer, King, and Risen Lord. And if you were here last week, then Martin spoke to us about Jesus being the Savior. We looked at the story of Zacchaeus, who positioned himself to meet Jesus encountered grace and salvation, came to his house. And this morning, we're going to look at Jesus, the healer. The God in flesh who walked on the earth was and is the same Lord who heals. The one who revealed himself right back in Exodus chapter 15 and said, I am the Lord who heals you. He hasn't changed is part of the very revelation of God, of who he is, one of the names of God, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. Let me say that again this morning. The one we come to worship is Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. The one who restores, who mends, who repairs, who makes healthful, however you want to explain it, he says, I am the Lord who heals. And he hasn't changed. He hasn't shifted. He hasn't budged. And this morning, this isn't going to be a deep theological study on the subject of healing. I'm not saying that wouldn't be helpful. It probably would. But the goal for this morning is for us to see afresh, or maybe for the first time, that Jesus was and is the healer. So that when we understand this, we can believe and we can respond in faith, and that can impact how we approach him for ourselves and also how we approach him for others. Just as we understood that last week, through the Holy Spirit, we can still meet Jesus the Savior and be saved and be being saved by him. So too, through the Holy Spirit, we can meet Jesus the healer and know his healing, his restoring, his mending power at work in our lives and the lives of those around us. I know I don't need to convince you I know you'll understand that there's no shortage of need for a healer. Is there anyone here in the room this morning who doesn't know someone who's unwell? 
I can introduce you to someone if you need introducing, but I think all of us, we understand this, we live in a world full of sickness. Some of us know people who are really poorly, but many of us in our journey have encountered Jesus the healer. Many of us will have known him heal us or someone we know in answer to prayer. I know there will be many testimonies in the room. Sometimes we forget about all that God has done because he heals us and so we carry on and life resumes. Occasionally we might journey a season of pain when it doesn't work out like that and we remember those seasons because they hurt and there's so much more emotion surrounding it. But when we stop and remember, often we find there are many, many testimonies of when God has healed. About three and a half years ago, I had a pretty bad fortnight in which I heard that my mother had been diagnosed with lymphoma, which is a kind of cancer, and my sister, who's also my closest friend, had been diagnosed with brain cancer. I remember coming into church on a Sunday morning, and really front of mind is like, how do you lead a church when you're carrying this? Like, Lord, can I really do this? And I was so amazed because that morning, without telling anybody, I saw a lady at the back of church who's always here, and she's a grandma, and she'd brought her granddaughter. I'd never met her granddaughter, so I thought, I'll just go and say hello. Didn't say anything of what I was journeying. And immediately she said, this is my granddaughter. My granddaughter was healed of cancer here. That's a good start. (laughs) Her daughter had been had a, a lump on her neck. They were, all, they were still in the process of diagnosing whether it was leukemia or lymphoma, but it was understood that it was a cancer. And when she came into church, Sandra Bonner, married to Mick, who was here last week, they're gonna be worshiping with us from now, she'd laid hands on her and she'd been healed. And this lady said she was healed, it was amazing. And in fact, she said, in my family, we've had a double healing of cancers because my granddaughter was healed miraculously. And I also journeyed cancer, and through medicine, I've also been healed. We've seen a double healing. And then she walked off. And I'm left there, standing there thinking, God, you know. God, you see. God, you know what I'm journeying. I don't understand, but you know the journey. And for many of you, you'll know in these kinds of situations, we then have to journey it out, don't we? And we've seen some healing by medicine, and we continue to journey some challenges in those situations, as I'm sure you do in some of the situations around your families. But many of us in this room, we have tasted the healing power of Jesus. We have stories, we've heard stories, but sometimes we need reminding that Jesus is the healer. Because we live in a world where everything is not yet restored. Everything is not yet made perfect. The kingdom of God has not yet fully come. And so all around us, we still see brokenness. We still see sickness. And we need reminding that Jesus is the healer. I found it really encouraging this week as I've sought to call to mind the times I've seen healing, the times when God has come through. I remembered a story as I thought this week of a time when we prayed in the school where my children were back in Nottingham. They were part of a a small Church of England school and I was part of a group of parents who used to go in and pray once a week. Just a little group, there were normally four of us, maybe five. We mainly prayed for the school and sometimes for the families. It was an interdenominational prayer setting, so it was fairly steady. Some of you Kenyans would have wondered if we were actually praying. You know, we stayed, sat down, voices were low, but we were actually praying. But one day in that setting, 
a text had come round to some of the parents to say that a little girl, the little sister of a boy who was in Sam's class, she'd been admitted to hospital with meningitis. It had not been caught early as his best with meningitis, and she was really, really sick. This was the end of a week, one week. And over the weekend, the picture got worse and worse and worse. One of the mums who was involved in the communications also had direct connection with one of the consultants who worked in the intensive care department where the child was. And she relayed that it was looking less and less like the little girl was going to make it. And certainly, there was very little chance that she was going to come through undamaged. But the people of God began to pray. And on the Monday that week, an emergency prayer meeting was called, and there weren't just four of us in the room that morning. There were people who never used to come to pray, who came and packed out this little staff room. I think we met about half an hour before the end of the day, and there were lots of people in the room. And you know what? The prayer was a bit more lively than normal. There was a bit more noise made. I remember myself, I could distinctly remember praying, and praying in a way that I would if there was no one else in the room, rebuking death over this little girl, crying out to God, being conscious that there were people in the room seeing me who I wouldn't normally pray like this in front of. In fact, I got to the end of my prayer and I opened my eyes to see a lady called Andrea, whose two boys were friends with my boys. She was not a Christian. I knew her, but we'd never talked really about the things of God, and I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> I have just taken the mask off, and you've seen me in a way that you have never seen me before. And others too, we cried out to God. And what happened in the next 24 hours was miraculous. It was a complete turnaround for this little girl. She was completely restored, completely well. No complications, no damage. Within about two weeks, she was back in the pushchair in the playground. You know when you've prayed and you've sought God for someone who you know perhaps isn't going to make it through, and then you see them there, restored. Like, thank you, Jesus, you are the healer. You see, Jesus still heals today. He hasn't changed. He's still the Lord who heals. And so I wonder if you turn with me this morning, we're going to read some verses from Luke chapter 18, verses 35 to 43 where we see Jesus the healer. If you read through the Gospels, if you've never read the Gospels, read through them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're full of things that Jesus did when he walked on the earth. You'll find he heals people again and again and again. He heals them, he sets them free, he restores them, he delivers them. It will build faith in your heart to receive more from him. This is Luke 18, Verse 35 to 43, it says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. 
And we thank God for his word. It's a parallel account to the account in Mark 10 that we read when Andy Hawthorne was here just a couple of weeks ago. But here we are reading in Luke. Now, if you were here last week, we read about Zacchaeus. Those verses are the ones that follow right on from what I'm reading here this morning. When Jesus met Zacchaeus, he was in Jericho. And here we find Jesus approaching Jericho. He's on the way into it. There were onlookers, perhaps who might have been shocked by Jesus meeting with Zacchaeus, one of the oppressors of the time. But here we see Jesus at the other end of the spectrum, engaging with those who are oppressed and need help. So the setting for this story this morning is the road into Jericho. It's perhaps not much of a backdrop, but on any road towards Jerusalem at the time of year that it was, which is the run-up to Passover, there would have been plenty going on. As Sue made mention this morning, it was the most important feast in the Jewish calendar, and people from all over Israel would have headed to Jerusalem as pilgrims to celebrate the Passover there. There would have been pilgrims all along the road making their way. Some rabbis making their way with people around them, teaching, discussing as they went, And so we find Jesus walking along with others leading the way, talking, engaging, celebrating, looking forward to celebrating the feast together. And what would happen as pilgrims went along the way is that those who couldn't make it to Jerusalem that that year would line the roads. They'd line the roads to greet people, a little bit like when your football team wins Uh, uh, the FA Cup or something like that. I know it's probably hard for many of us in the room living where we do to imagine this, but your team wins the FA Cup and then they come back to celebrate and the bus drives down the road and everyone lines the road to celebrate. And so it would be, there would be celebration of those going to Jerusalem and the lines would be road, there would be crowds around. And this is where we find the blind beggar sitting on the road to Jericho, the one that heads towards Jerusalem. I don't know if this is the usual spot the blind beggar used to go to. He may just have been there because he knew there would be more traffic than usual, more people passing, people going to worship in the Passover who would be more inclined to give. Perhaps it was just it was strategic for him to be there that day. But he heard the crowd. There must have been something different about the crowd that day, because he was just listening. Why would he shout out and say, what's happening? There were people passing all the time. I don't know what it was that was different about this crowd, but something was different that made him say, what's happening? And he's told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And when he gets told this piece of information, the blind beggar behaves in such a way that really what happens next is a masterclass for us to learn from him in how to meet Jesus the healer, in how to engage with Jesus the healer. We see a, a series of actions that can teach us how to come to God in this way. And it's important before I unpack these things this morning that I'm not saying if you're here this morning and you've not been healed, it's because you've not done these things. I'm not saying that we should look at anybody and think it's because you've not done that that you have not been healed. We must not make judgments about others as they journey through their challenging seasons. We cannot know the why for all things. And as brothers and sisters, the priority is that as we journey through life, and particularly some of the difficult seasons of life, that we care for one another with love and compassion and don't try to judge why this or why that. 
But here this morning as we look at the text, the blind man shows us how we can position ourselves to meet Jesus the healer. So first up this morning from these verses, what I see in how the blind beggar approaches Jesus is that to encounter him requires calling out and not giving up. Calling out and not giving up. You see, what I see in the blind beggar and how he responds is when he heard who it was, he cried out to him. It says he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't know if you've ever cried out to Jesus, raised your voice. Maybe like me, you live in a house with shared walls. It's better to shout in your car because then at least if someone hears you, you pass by them in a moment and you may not see them again, unless they recognize you from some other setting. In that case, that's a difficult conversation. But he cries out. He calls out to God. You know, he could have sat there and thought, well, I'll just wait and see what happens. That's what most of us would do. If you couldn't see what was happening, you'd probably sit there and think, well, let's see. But he doesn't do that. As soon as he knows it's Jesus of Nazareth, he cries out. And he doesn't just cry, Jesus of Nazareth. He's got his own view on who this man is. Because you know, he says, son of David. The son of David was a name for the Messiah. It was a name for the one who was sent from God. It was a name for the one who the prophets of old had said was going to come and open the eyes of the blind. He calls him out and calls out to him. And it's interesting because those who led the way told him to shut up. Shh, be quiet. Leave him alone. They didn't want him to spoil their party, I think. But it tells us that he shouted all the more. He didn't give up. He wasn't easily put off. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. It's interesting when you read these things in the Greek, he doesn't just mean he shouted again. It's not just the same word again, like he carried on and ignored them. Actually, the second word means he shouted more, with more volume, with more intensity. It's like when he didn't get heard the first time, he just pushed harder. He went after him again. He called out with greater intensity with all that he was. But even when those around him were telling him to be quiet, telling him that he couldn't expect something of God, even when Jesus didn't respond to him The first time, he didn't stop. He called out and he didn't give up. The blind man models for us here that we need to pray with faith and with fervency, declaring the one to whom we pray, the chosen one, the Messiah, the King, the creator, the maker of everything, the one who holds it all in his hands, the one who speaks and things come into being, to call out to him. And to not be limited by the expectations of others, of what we may be able to receive. He could have been easily pushed back by their view of him, by their view of what he could expect from Jesus, but he wasn't. He carried on regardless, calling out for mercy from the one who for centuries past was known as the Lord who heals. He saw his moment and he called out and he didn't give up. He wasn't put off by other people's expectations of him. In the church we were in, back in Nottingham, there was a family there with a little boy who was autistic. He was quite severely autistic. He was not able to access mainstream education. He exhibited many challenging behavioral traits. They were a godly family. They loved the Lord. They loved their boys. 
And they brought their son to the elders and they asked him, they asked them to pray for him. And they said to him, what are you asking for? What are you expecting? What are you hoping for? I'm not sure what their faith was to pray for him. I'm not sure what their expectations were. You see, this little boy, he had a diagnosis and there were certain expectations around that diagnosis of what may or may not be received on the journey. And his parents, when they were asked that question, they said, we are praying and we're asking God that he will gradually get better and better that each day he will go from strength to strength. And so that's what they faithfully and fervently prayed for over their son, and they asked others to agree with them. They kept asking for more than what was expected. And that's what they received. As days and months and years went by, this young man grew up, and what they asked for was what they received. He went from strength to strength. He was able to participate in mainstream school and education. He was eventually able to live away from his family at university to study and to gain a degree. He grew from strength to strength. They tell the story of one day going to one of their pedi pediatrician appointments as were regular with a little one with such a diagnosis. And one day he went in and the, the pediatrician said, I suppose, they said this to the, to the son, I suppose you're wondering why you're here because it didn't make sense to be in that setting and to be being assessed and having a consultation when there was no need for any intervention. There was no need for anything more. You see, they called out. They didn't give up. It wasn't an instantaneous healing. It wasn't a one-off moment, but they called out and they didn't give up. They weren't limited by what others expected. And they met Jesus, the healer. Andy Hawthorne, when he was here and he spoke about Bartimaeus just two weeks ago, he talked about the power of persistence. That when we pray, we must call out and not give up. We've just read these verses. They're at the end of Luke chapter 18. If you went back to the beginning of this chapter, Luke 18, you'd read the parable of the persistent widow. It says, Luke says that Jesus told that parable to show them they should pray and not give up. And here we find a few verses later, we have it demonstrated by the blind beggar. Ask and don't give up. Call out and don't give up. <coughs> Jesus the healer doesn't always respond at the first ask. I don't know why that is. But meeting Jesus the healer requires calling out and not giving up. And friends, for many of us, this is one of the biggest barriers because we live in an instant society where we're used to getting everything so quickly. If one website hasn't got what we want to order, we just go to another one and we'll get it delivered tomorrow. And if they can't deliver it tomorrow, we'll find someone else who'll deliver it tomorrow. We can sort things out 24-7. We can go online, we can order food, we can make payments. It just, we don't have to wait for anything. You know, patience doesn't come naturally to many of us, if indeed to any of us. Persistence and perseverance are qualities and characteristics that have to be grown in us. We have to decide and choose that we're going to dig in. We're going to not give in. We're going to hold on. We're going to let those things be worked in us. And many of us, when we start to pray for healing, whether for ourselves or for someone else, if we don't get an immediate answer, 
we think, well, we'll, we'll just leave that then. Because we're used to an immediate answer for everything. And sometimes what can happen is when we don't get an immediate answer, we give up. As if God had said, if I'm going to intervene, I'll intervene straight away. If I don't answer at the first coming, then you can know it's not my will. God has never said that. But actually what we see in the scriptures is actually it requires calling out, not giving up. Persistence, perseverance are part of the journey. They're part of the picture. And so if you've begun praying for something and you've given up, friends, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Pray and don't give up. The answer doesn't always come at the first request. It doesn't always come at the second or the third, but Jesus is still the healer. And to meet Jesus the healer, it requires us to call out. It requires us to not give up. I know it's frustrating that I can't answer. Why doesn't he answer us the first time? I wish I could tell you the answer to that this morning. There are some suggestions in the Bible as to why this might be. Sometimes there's a battle in the heavenlies over prayer. It seems that an answer can be released, but there's a battle over actually hitting home. God has answered, but the answer hasn't landed immediately. We need to keep praying for it to come through. If you read Daniel, you'll read the story about that. There's a suggestion that sometimes our prayers are building up towards a breakthrough. Revelation 4, Revelation 8, it talks about bowls of incense that are the prayers of the saints, waiting to be combined with the power of God and poured out to bring a breakthrough. What if the bowl's almost full and we stop? We don't keep going. Thank you. Sometimes in our lives, God is allowing a season of waiting. And he works in the waiting. He works something in us of persistence, of perseverance. He's growing character and faith. We can't say in any given situation which of these it is. Maybe it's part of them all, but these are some of the suggestions we see in Scripture as to why the answer doesn't come immediately. Encountering Jesus, the healer, requires calling out and not giving up. This is what we can learn from the blind beggar this morning. Call out, don't give up. I notice also, though, that he doesn't demand this of Jesus. He doesn't say, look, you're the healer. You should do this for me. You've done this for others. You should do it now. He comes and he asks for mercy. He asks for pity. He asks for help in his need. And if we want to learn how to meet the healer, we can position ourselves the same, understanding that by his grace, he might heal us. By his grace, he might touch us. By his grace, he might pour out his mercy into our lives. But it will require calling out and not giving up for us to meet the healer. Secondly, from these verses this morning, encountering Jesus, the healer, we learn from the blind man, it involves coming near and bringing others near. Coming near and bringing others near. We read in verses 40 to 41 here, Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And then it says, when he came near. When he came near. Jesus wants the blind man brought near to him. If you've read the scriptures, you know that Jesus doesn't need to be near to heal someone. He doesn't. 
If you read Luke 7, we see Jesus healing a centurion servant. And the centurion says, don't come to my house. You don't need to come all the way. You can do this from here. And sure enough, Jesus heals the centurion servant without going anywhere near the building where he's staying. Jesus doesn't need proximity. But here, when the blind beggar shouts out to him, Jesus wants him brought near to him. I love it in this account that the very people who said to him, you shut up, he's not interested in you. Jesus said to those people, you bring him, go and help him, use your hands, get him off the floor and bring him to me. Interesting. That's not the preach for this morning, but we could go more there. You see, Jesus wanted those people involved in bringing someone else. You know, when we're with Jesus, the healer, it's never just about us enjoying the party and enjoying what he's doing in our lives, but always about seeing who else can be brought near, who else can be brought to the healer. You see, Jesus could have just yelled back at him. He could have said, be healed, receive your sight, and gone on his way. He could have done that, but he didn't. He said, bring him near you see, Jesus' healing is not just physical. Jesus doesn't separate out our physical needs from our spiritual ones, our emotional ones, our relational ones. He sees our need. And you might sit here this morning knowing that you don't need physical healing, but there's none of us in the room that does not need Jesus' healing in our lives in some way. And Jesus doesn't separate it out. The word that gets used here when Jesus says your faith has healed you is a Greek word, sozo. Sozo, meaning healed. It means so much more than physically well. It means saved, delivered, cured, made well, brought in right relationship with God. It's like every part of your life made right. You see, Jesus knew that the blind man, he did need to see, but it wasn't his only problem. He also needed reconciling to God. As an outcast, he needed to be restored socially. And Jesus dignifies him by calling him near and getting others to serve him in bringing him. Jesus cares about your body. He cares about your physical needs. But he also sees your need to be restored to the Father. He sees your broken heart. He sees what's going on emotionally, the pressures. He sees what's happening relationally, and he wants to bring you near. You see, we can only ever be truly healed and fully restored when we're near to Jesus. And he wants us to draw close so that we can follow him. That's where we'll be healed and keep being healed. That's where this Greek word sozo can be fully unleashed in our lives when we follow him and walk with him. Maybe you already know that Jesus has healed you, saved you, has begun this journey with you. Maybe this morning, actually, some of us were more like those on the road with Jesus than the blind beggar by the side. And for us, friends, this morning, the call for us is to look around and see who else can we bring? Who else can we bring to Jesus so that they can also be healed? I heard an amazing story this week. Somebody said to me, they said, you need to speak to so-and-so. I'm not going to give their name because they didn't want me to give their name. They said, you need to speak to so-and-so. She's got an amazing story of healing. So I phoned her this week to find out what had happened. And this is a lady, she's on our prime ministry team. An unassuming lady, 
but just one who trusts the Lord and sees him do incredible things. And she told me a story just from the last month of bringing someone to Jesus. You see, her sister's brother-in-law had become acutely unwell with leukemia. And he was in hospital. He was deteriorating. But she received a call one morning, very early in the morning, about 4 a.m., telling her to come to the hospital because the family had been called. And we all know that when that happens, it's not good news. And when she arrived and she walked in, the family were gathered around the gentleman's bed. And the medics had told them that he was expected to decline in the next two hours and probably wouldn't make it into the morning. But as our friend from church here walked in, Surrounded by members of her wider family, none of whom are Christians, the gentleman says to her, are you here to pray for me? She says, yes, I am. The man's sister says, thank goodness. And then in front of the whole family, our friend says to him, there's a really important question I need to ask you. Is it salvation or healing? Which am I praying for? That's a bold question. And the man in the bed says, salvation. So there in front of her whole family, some of whom have mocked her over the years for her faith, she leads the man in the bed in a prayer to give his life to Christ, to accept Jesus as his savior. There in front of everybody. And then she says, now, shall we pray for healing? At that point, he says, I think I can go now. I'm saved now. It's such a struggle. I'm so tired. I think I sh I, he, he couldn't say yes to that question. So our friend just stayed there for a little while and just began to pray over him, speaking scriptures. She did begin to pray over him for healing. And some things began to change. She spoke to her his partner a few days later, because you'll understand what happened. He said, when you walked in, his body was already beginning to go cold. And she said, but as you began to pray, his body began to get warm. I could feel it happening as you prayed. And what happened was he began to get strong again. He was able to eat some food again. He survived through to the morning and into the next days and, and began to get stronger. He was even then offered some further chemo and accepted that. Instead of deciding just to go, he felt he could fight. And when he began to take the chemo, they saw a very, very quick and very significant decrease in the amount of cancer in his bone marrow. In fact, the doctors said they had never seen a response like that, that what happened in a matter of days would normally take six months to happen. The man's partner has seen what Jesus has done in his life. And she also now has given her life to Jesus Christ. The man is not yet completely healed. But we cannot say he hasn't met Jesus the healer. There's been intervention after intervention. Things have been completely changed around as we've called on Jesus the healer. People have been saved, people have been healed. But what a great example from one of our friends who just comes in here every week, just like you, just like me, and goes and steps in and says, well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But we have to come near and bring others near. That's how we encounter Jesus, the healer. Thirdly, this morning from this text, 
Encountering Jesus the healer requires asking big and not holding back. Asking big and not holding back. You know that when the blind man comes near to Jesus, he gets asked a question. What do you want me to do for you? For some of us, we may think that is such an obvious question. He's blind. He's begging. Of course, we know what he needs. But the answer isn't always as obvious as that. In fact, maybe we've all come across people who have a glaringly obvious need in their life, but what they're actually on with is something else. But it's interesting, you see, we've got a man here who makes his living by begging. He probably wasn't the only beggar down the side of the road that day, but maybe he could make more because he was blind. So it elicited more pity. This was part of his livelihood. It was part of his identity. It was part of how he survived. It was part of how he had food to eat each day. If he was going to be healed, it would fundamentally change his life in ways that he could not yet see how that would all work out. It would change his identity. It would shift the expectations others had of him. They would no longer be willing to help him, probably, if he could see. If he was healed and his eyes were open, this would lead him into completely different territory to anywhere he'd been for many years. It would be like someone who'd rightfully received benefits for years and years and years, suddenly finding the grounds by which they were entitled to that help was suddenly gone, and they had to make their own way. You'd have to think carefully about whether that was what you wanted. Is that what the blind man wanted? You know, for all of us, the hold of what is familiar in our lives is incredibly powerful, even when the familiar is not good. And the fear of what is unknown can be very, very real to us. That's why in life, many times, many of us stay in situations which are limited or unfulfilled or missed, where we're mistreated simply because it's familiar, simply because we're not sure what would be beyond and we'd rather stay where we are with a sense of control and predictability. And so we hold back. We hold back. I remember journeying with a young woman some years ago who'd struggled from an eating disorder and associated issues of body image and self-esteem. And as I journeyed with her and we sought to process some of the things that were going on on the inside of her mind so that she could get free, she came to a point and she, I could see she, wasn't, she didn't want to let go. She was holding back. I was like, what, what is it? What is it that you don't, you don't want to leave behind? She said, I just don't know what will be left of me if I lay those things aside. This is all I've known for many years. She said, I just don't know what will be ahead. It's unknown. And she couldn't, or she struggled to step into freedom and wholeness because what she was used to was familiar. And she was afraid of the unknown. She was afraid to ask big and not hold back. She was afraid of where it would lead her. And I'm encouraged to tell you, eventually she did allow Jesus to heal her. She did step out, but it was a wrestle not to hold back. In fact, she went on to run groups and courses for other women dealing with some of the other the similar issues in their lives and saw many others also get free. But what we see here in this text this morning is Jesus understands humanity. He knows us. He knows you. He knew that he couldn't assume that the blind man was ready to leave behind a familiar way of life and all that went with it. 
as limited as it was, it was a really important question. What do you want me to do for you? You see, probably the beggar was asked many times a day what people, what he wanted. And what do you think he said? I just need a shekel. I just need some bread. Just give me something for the day. That's what he normally answered to that question. But this day, this question comes and he asked big. This day was different because it was Jesus the healer. So I'm going to ask big. I'm going to ask it. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to shrink back into the life that I've known that's familiar. But I'm going to ask big and not hold back. Some of us, when we come to Jesus, we ask him for lunch money instead of asking him to mend our souls because, frankly, it's an easier request to make. Sometimes we ask Jesus to do cosmetic surgery on us when what we need is a heart transplant. And there's an encouragement this morning when we come to Jesus, the healer, ask big and don't hold back. It's interesting to me that when the blind beggar gets asked this question, what do you want? The first thing he says in reply is, Lord, Lord. It's the first time he calls him that in this whole exchange. He's not holding back because he says, Lord, you're the Lord. This is the beginning of this exchange. Lord, you're in control. I'm letting go of everything else and I'm coming to whatever you have in front of me and I'm going to let go of what I've known to take hold of what you have and let you be Lord. He's signing up for life change. He's signing up. I'm not trying to control what you're doing now, God. I don't want a bit of this, but not the whole measure. I want whatever you have got for me. That's asking big and not holding back. I think sometimes for all of us, when we come to Jesus the healer, we hold some things back because we want careful control of what he'll do in our lives. We want to say, you can come far and you can do this bit, but I don't want you touching that bit. And don't go near to those other things that I've so carefully closed off for a long time. And don't challenge me about those habits. They're staying where they are for now. And so sometimes we don't ask big because we're too busy trying to control it all. But what we see in the beggar is he asks big and he doesn't hold back. There was a time when I was out praying on the streets with healing on the streets, not, not here in Coventry, but back in Nottingham. And a lady came and sat on the chair, as they do with healing on the streets, and she was blind in one eye. And she was blind because she'd had a head injury uh, in, a, in a previous season of life, and that's what caused the limitation of her vision. It's one of the times of praying for people when I've most visibly seen someone touched by the power of God. We began to pray for her, and you could see from her face that she was encountering something. In fact, she looked utterly terrified. She began to kind of pull faces and went sort of ashen. And then, in fact, she opened her eyes. She went, what is this? What's happening to me? The colleague that I was praying with very wisely just said, that's the power of God. It's just working in your brain. It's just mending what needs mending so that your vision can be restored. But for the woman, she'd never come across Jesus before, and it was all too much for her. And it was, I was so startled by her response, because what she did was she grabbed up her shopping bags. And she said, I can't do this, I can't do this. And she grabbed her bags, and she walked off before we could say any more to her. It's the closest I've seen to an instantaneous healing of a blind eye. And the lady walked off partway through. She couldn't control what was happening to her. 
And even though it was good, because she was out of control, she held back. And she didn't receive what she could have received that day. We used to pray at the same time on a, in the same place every week. And there were many other weeks when I saw that lady walk by. And I tried to get eye contact with her. And she would never come near. And I was so sad that Jesus wanted to heal her, but she held back. I have seen some other people healed from blindness. I'll tell you the stories, but I'm going to move on because I want to make sure there's time for us to minister here this morning because I believe Jesus wants to heal here today. You see, Jesus is the healer. He was, he is, he will always be. He's always been the Lord who heals you. And through his spirit here today, he's here and you can meet Jesus the healer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says again this morning, I am the Lord who heals you. He hasn't changed. Here today in CLM. One more story before I finish. Many of you here will know Joseph and Debbie Pamu. And they've got two lovely little boys, Levi and Caleb. Well, before Christmas, many of you will have known that Caleb was really very sick. He ended up in intensive care at Birmingham Children's Hospital, and he'd had help to breathe from a ventilator for some time, but still that was not helping him to get enough oxygen into his system. Receiving prayer updates, they were getting worse and worse. You know, you hear, the, you hear what's coming, and the tone was changing and becoming more desperate. More and more people we were calling in to pray. Even with all these machines supporting him, his oxygen saturations kept going down and the medics were having to consider a treatment called ECMO, which is extracorporeal membranous oxygenation, I think, which basically means now they've got to take the blood out of your body to put oxygen in it because your heart and your lungs are beyond being able to do that for you. There's only a few places in the country that offer that kind of treatment. And to be that sick is very, very serious. But many of us were praying. In order to do this treatment, you have to have a surgical procedure done to enable it because the blood has to be taken out and back into the body. And so they were beginning to prepare little Caleb to have this surgical procedure so that the treatment could be undertaken. And that's what we were expecting to happen. But then... I received this text update from Debbie. She said simply this, keep praying. The miracle is happening. The doctors have no explanation, but the whole situation has just been reviewed and surgery for ECMO is on hold. The doctor just said, it's magic. We know it's God. Please keep praying. And little Caleb went from strength to strength was able to have some surgery later that week that he required so that his heart was made strong. The doctors said it was magic. They've got no explanation for when the power of God comes and Jesus the healer comes and touches and does what they can't do. And we're grateful for doctors and we're grateful for medicine, but the greatest physician of all is Jesus the healer and he wants to meet us. He does, he wants to meet us here, now, in our lives, in our struggles, in our battles, in our sicknesses, not someone else, not across the globe, but here, now, in Coventry, in CLM, in our family, this morning, this morning. But the blind beggar shows us today how to encounter him. 
calling out and not giving up, coming near and bringing others, asking big and not holding back. Friends, if we come to him in this way, we will receive from him. This Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the healer. He's here to heal this morning. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to have a time of, of worship, but we're going to make room for ministry here today. Maybe you have come here this morning and you just needed reminding that God is a God who heals. And this message is for you this morning. He wants to remind you he is Jesus the healer. And you may just need to call out again. Call out and not give up. And when we begin to sing in a moment, I'm going to invite us, if you know that you need healing, to come out to the front. Or maybe if you know there's something that you're praying about and you've given up, but you might want to come to the front as well. But I'm going to invite a movement out of our seats, a symbol that we are coming near that we're stepping out from where we are and we're coming after God again and we're making a physical expression of that. So I'm going to invite us right now to stand to our feet and I'm going to pray. Jesus, we thank you because you are the one who spoke all things into being. You are the one whose word brought life. You are the one who makes things. You're the one who commands and they stand firm. And you are here today by the power of your spirit. We thank you because you have power that beats death, that goes through the grave. You are the one who has resurrection life and nothing is more powerful than you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you love us and you come to meet us and you draw us near to you, that your healing power might touch our lives, transform us and change us. And we thank you, Lord. Forgive us where we give up too easily. Help us, Lord, to come after you with faith, with fervency, with tenacity, and to hold on to you and pursue you and to let you move in power in our lives to bring your lordship, to bring your reign, to bring your kingdom, healing, wholeness, restoration and power in every part of us. That our lives might be restored and that Jesus, your name might be honoured and glorified. So we welcome you here in this time now. Holy Spirit, release your power to heal. Release your healing power. Even now, let faith rise in men and women. That you love them, that you know them, that you want to touch them. And Lord, now as we come and respond to you as pray, and pray, come and touch, come and heal, come and pour out your power. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.